Psalm 118. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 118. We're just going to highlight some of the verses in this text here. Psalm 118. Verse 1, it says this, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. This one verse is packed with some good stuff. Just this simple verse. Give thanks to the Lord. I want to ask you this morning, when the author of this psalm writes, give thanks to the Lord, what conditions does he put on it? What is happening in this author's life that is making him say, wow, thank you, God? We don't know. He could have been having one of the greatest years of his life. He could have been suffering illness and sickness. He could have been being attacked by his enemies. He could be doing all different sorts of things. We don't know what's going on in his life, but the declaration is made, give thanks to the Lord. And I want you to know this, that you need to be thankful to God. No matter what you go through, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been or where you're, you're heading, you must give thanks to God. You must be thankful within your heart. It is the guiding post of our worship towards the Lord, being thankful. Being thankful. I was at the store the other day buying some organic apples. telling you man those things are like gold so i'm up there and i got four apples and she says 32 dollars and 50 cents i said what and i said she was you know it wasn't that much but you know I, i'm paying for the apples and, and uh, i'm getting these apples and, and um i looked at the lady at the cashier and checking me out and you can't really say that can you she was checking me out it wasn't really i mean she was taking my money you know what i'm saying so I'm at the cashier, I'm at the, the thing, and, and you know, she says, you know, $4, whatever it was. And uh, I said, you must be pretty happy about this. She says, what are you talking about? I said, here, you've got a smile on your face, you ask me how I'm doing, and then you rob me right in front of my face. She goes, oh, I'm just doing my job. And I said, that's okay. And I said, how you doing? And, you know, just making a little light talk. Job, and she started complaining. She just started complaining about all these things. And I said, well, at least you get paid to complain. Most people do it for free, you know. There's something about us as Christians that we need to be people who are thankful. Thankful no matter what situation. It, I'm telling you, it changes the way we worship and see God when we are thankful. You must be thankful within your heart. And it doesn't matter what you're going through or what you've been through. No matter what tomorrow looks like, you must be thankful. You got to get it down in your spirit to be thankful. Because if you are not thankful, then complaining happens and bitterness happens and selfishness happens and all those things. Because when you are thankful, you are looking beyond your measure, beyond your moment, and you are seeing God for who he really is. I am thankful that my God is my God. Doesn't matter what I go through. And then the second thing, for he is good. This is something you must get in your spirit as well. He is good. If you truly believe that, then you will understand that when you are going through moments you do not understand, you will begin to comprehend that God is doing something good behind the scenes. 
that God is working on our good. Because why? We trust him. We love him. We, we're committed to him. And he is not going to abandon us in our time of need. He is good no matter what we face. He is good. And so you must understand that. Be thankful in your spirit and know and determine that he is good. Well, why do bad things happen? He's good. How come it's so hard? He's good. He's good. And that is the first thought that needs to flood our minds when you start thinking about your life. He's good. He's good. Just as Rose gave testimony that she's cancer free, all through the process she said, he is good. He's good. She determined that. No matter what the doctor said, she determined he is good. And that's what we must do as Christians. We must be thankful in our spirit, but we must determine with our mind he is good. But you don't understand all the problems and things I'm going through. I know they are real and they are hard and it's frustrating. Maybe your career, your life is not unfolding the way you want it to. Maybe the things that you've been hoping for have never come to pass. Maybe the things you've been praying for never seem that they're going to change or make a difference or, or come to pass. But I want to tell you, he is good. And you must hold on to that because my God will never fail you. You must trust him. Even when he puts you in terrible situations, even when he allows terrible situations to come into your life, he's good. Even if it's embarrassing, he's good. He's good. One time we were down in, in El Salvador and uh, we were getting ready to cross this river. And they would cross it just because it was just a real shallow little river and they would take the vehicles and drive through it and go up the bank and and uh, as we're going down towards this river, they were talking about how much it rained the last couple days, and they're hoping that the river isn't too high so we can cross. And uh, so I said, oh, you know, that's cool. And so we're driving down, and we come up to this little river, and the thing is flooded. I mean, the thing is deep, and it's just water all coming from the mountains. It was crazy. It was all washed out, and it was moving. It was powerful. And we're all standing there just watching and amazed. And then all of a sudden, I'm towards the back. All of a sudden, God said, Pete, go and touch the water and I will part it and you will pass. <laughs> Woo, shouldn't have ate that for breakfast because I'm hearing some weird things, you know. And, and, uh, but God came back. He says, I want you to go and touch the water and I will separate it and you'll pass. God, why do you want to embarrass me? God, why are you asking me to do that? I'm with a bunch of pastors and Christians, and, and you want me to be Moses? I, I don't think so, God. And God just began to continue to do it, and I'm, I'm like literally having this conversation in the back of my mind with God. And God said, would you trust me? I said, I would, because I know that you are with me. And you are good. And that's what I determined. You are good. So I took a step forward. I took another step. And I started walking towards the river. And just before I got to the river, someone yelled out, Hey, we found a bridge. We can cross there. I said, Oh, praise God. Let's go. <laughs> right? But I'm willing to trust in God. The whole point of that story for me was God says, all I want you to do is to take a step and trust me. Just take a step. 
you know, we were watching the Bible series, the, the one that was 2013, and we were watching just yesterday about Abraham. God asked Abraham to take his son and to sacrifice him. How do you do that? It's a hard story. But Abraham did. Grab the, the stuff for the sacrifice and he takes a step forward and he goes up to the mountain and he prepares everything. And just before he is going to sacrifice his son, God steps in and provides a ram stuck in the bushes. It's a hard story because God asked him to do something that is not good, but God asked him to do it. Abraham took a step because later on in the New Testament, we kind of get a little background of what's going on. The Bible says that even though Abraham was going to do it, without a doubt, he believed that God would raise him from the dead. Why? Because that son was the blessed promise that he was given. And he would, without question, without be doubting, Abraham believed God was still going to provide and do what he said through Isaac, even if he had to raise him from the dead. Because Abraham believed in God that much, he took a step. Why? Because Abraham knew that God was good. You must be determined to be thankful that God is who He is. Be thankful in your heart. Don't let bitterness set in. Don't let anger set in. Don't let disappointment start to curve your attitude towards God. Be thankful. Be ha put a smile on your face. Even, even if you have to go in the mirror and fake it, practice. Be thankful. And there's plenty of things to be thankful for. We just get so caught up in our moments, we forget how God has really, really done some amazing things. I used to say that 2014 was the worst year of my life. And matter of fact, my wife and I, we would just try to forget 2014. It was a year of disappointment and hardship and frustration and anger. And, and it just, it was just, didn't even want to remember 2014. And then I started going back and I looked through my journal. And you know what? I missed all of the blessings that God did because I was so caught up in the moments of disappointment and frustration. I didn't realize that God was doing some pretty amazing things. So please be thankful in your heart. And second, determine that He is good. And then it says His love endures forever. His love endures forever. And this is such an amazing point here because this is something that we say and we think and we know, but do we really believe that His love endures forever? Look at verse 2. Let Israel say His love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say His love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say His love endures forever. So here we start off with this declaration. Give thanks to the Lord. He is good. His love endures forever. And then three times... Let Israel say, let the house of Aaron say, let those who fear the Lord say. But I got a question for you. What do you say? What do you say? Can you quote and say his love endures forever in your life today? Is that your line of worship? I pray it is. His love endures forever. His love is unfailing. And what is love? Love is that that feeling that, that you get, you know, that, that over sense of, I'm in love with you. I love you. Just uh, wanting to be with you, wanting to, to, to always just be in the moment that where you are. I want to be there. And that's what I am with my wife. I love her. I always want to be with her. 
Even when she's asking me to do a thousand things, I love her. I want to be with her. Even when she asks me to buy $42 a pound organic apples, I love her. I want to be with her. You can tell I'm really bitter about those apples, man. Because <laughs> I know where we're going after church, man. Better get those apples. <laughs> she ain't denied it. But the thing is, is love. And, and you know, the best way to think about love, how to describe it, is look at complaining. Because complaining and love are very closely linked. Except one has affections of positive, the other has affections of negative. What do you do when you complain? Oh, you think about it. You chew on it. You meditate in your heart on that. And you just, you know, when you're complaining, you know, about that person who doesn't know how to drive and is always in front of you, right? <laughs> don't be looking at your husband. That's not fair. <laughs> don't, don't be looking. Don't be, don't be looking. <laughs> My wife always says, just one trip, Pete. I want you not to complain. I said, well, if people learn how to drive, then that's what I'm not complaining about. Oh, man. But when you complain, you think about it, you mole on it. And, and at the moment's notice, when they mention that thing or that person, emotions flare up. Not, not good ones, but emotions flare up. And it comes out of nowhere. <gasps> Love is the same way, just in the opposite direction. Meditate on who he is. That's why the author said he's good. Meditate on that. God, I don't understand what I'm going through, but I know this, that you're good. It doesn't make sense right now, God, but he's good. Meditate on him. Think about him. What do you say? Can you say that his love endures forever? What does that mean? That it will last through every moment that you face. Love. Now, I love my family. I love my kids. And I'll do anything for my kids. I love them. And you understand that. Even when they don't appreciate, even when they disobey, even when they cause us to pull our hair out. That's why my father-in-law is bald. My wife was just a little child. That, no, she was a sweetheart. But the thing is, is love is so important. And you love your kids. You love them without fail. You love them through moments. You love them through hardships. You love them when they are putting their feet underneath them and trying to step out on their own. You love them when they are disappointed. You love them when they are down. You love them at all times, no matter what, without fail. How much more does your father love you? How much more does he love you? His love endures forever. What do you say? What do you say? Real quickly, verse 5 says this. When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look at triumph on my enemies. Look at this, that when, when hard-pressed, he brings me into spacious places. When hard-pressed. What does it mean to be hard-pressed? You know, I, I, I've been on a kick lately. I like to vacuum seal everything. You know, I like to vacuum seal. I even vacuum seal my phone just to see if I could use it through that in case I go fishing and I drop it in the water. It works, you know? I vacuum seal it, and, and it just, when it's, it vacuum seals it nice and airtight, and everything's just hard. It's just pressed in, right? When I'm in a hard place, when I'm in a hard place, and that's what it's like when we go through trials and tribulations, it's like everything squeezes us out, and it's like we have no room to move. But the Bible says that when I'm in those moments, he brings me to spacious places. He brings me to places of peace and rest. He brings me to places where I can grow, where I can become what he wants me to be. 
That's why I cry out to the Lord. And the Bible says that He is with me. That's why I don't have to be afraid. Verse 6, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. Can you say that in your life? The Lord is with me. Because it's hard sometimes when it doesn't look like it. I was just talking to someone about our church and I said, yeah. I said, the building's rough and it needs work, but something beautiful happens on the inside. Why? Because the Lord is with us. He's with us. And your life may be like that. It may look rough on the outside. People may not understand what's going on. People don't get you. But it's okay because the Lord is with me. He's with me. And I will not be afraid because I know that my God is with me. He is my helper. You know what the word helper means? It doesn't mean that He comes and says, well, I'll do this with you. No, it means that He comes to bring support. He comes to give assistance. He's, he's coming not as a servant, but someone who comes and stands on your side and say, we could do this together. We could do this. He's a helper. He's someone who comes and brings that support that we need. Sometimes we have to do the work, but He's going to be there to give us the strength. And He's going to stand by us. And that's why we must understand that even though we are hard-pressed, He's going to bring peace and growth in our life. And you don't have to be afraid. And when you need Him the most, He will be there to support you. Look at verse 8. It says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princesses. Princes. So here's the thing. Look at this. It's better to stay in the presence of God. You must be people who are willing to stay in the presence of God. If you have to wake up and go to work, wake up earlier and spend time with God. I remember the first time I ever was uh, in the youth ministry. It was my first job. My first job. And I, would, I had to be at the office at 9 o'clock. And the pastor told me, and I, you know, when I got to the office at 9, I said, okay, you know, tell me, what, what do you do? What do pastors do? You know, and he says, well, the first thing I do is, is I read my Bible and I, I pray. And I said, that's great, but I already did that. And he says, why did you already do that? We get paid to be pastors. And I said, yeah, but, you know, I worked for GM before I came here. And, and when they told me I had to show up at 6 a.m., they didn't give me any time to read my Bible and pray. So I had to wake up earlier, read my Bible, pray, and then I went to work. I said, so when I show up here at 9, I'm, I'm, I'm already set. That's just me. And he's like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to do that too. You see, if you have to go somewhere, you have to do something. Spend time with the Lord. Get back into His presence. If you're a busy day, make sure you allocate time with Him. Now listen, I'm not going to condemn you if you wake up late and you, you're in a rush and you got to go and you don't have time to spend time with the Lord as you would like to. Don't, don't be down about that. You know, sometimes people think, you know, Assemblies of God, AG stands for always guilty. No, you don't have to always be guilty. Just sometimes we're busy. You know, sometimes things are hectic. But make sure you plan time to be with Him. Get back into His presence. Why? Because it's better. It's better than people. It's better than resources. It's better than anything you can imagine being with Him. And that's the biggest fight that we're going to have is making time to be with Him. Stay with Him. Also, Look at verse 17. It says this, I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. I will not die but live. Now that statement is technically not true. Because all of us are going to experience death unless Jesus comes back and then we will be changed in a twinkle of an eye. But all of us are going to experience death. It's just the way it is. 
Because death is a part of the fall. Death is a part of the consequences of sin. Death is something that we cannot avoid. So why would he say in verse 17, I will not die but live? Because I believe the author, this is just my personal opinion, I believe the author is saying this, this thing isn't going to kill me. This moment isn't going to kill me. The enemies that surround me isn't going to do me in. The poverty that I face, the health that I face, the relationships that I face, the tomorrows that I face, the consequences that are coming towards me are not going to destroy me. I will not die because of this. I will live. Why? Because the Lord is doing things for my behalf. He's working on my behalf. He's coming to my aid. He is my salvation. He is coming for me. He will not abandon me. That's why I've said, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. I will not die. I will not let this attack be the end of me. It's not going to stop me. I'm not going to give up at this moment. And I want to tell you, your greatest moments are just beyond. You just got to keep going. You just got to keep going. You got to keep believing. And I, I just... I just want to say this, just the Lord inspired me just to tell you someone this here today. That even though you look at your life and you realize and you think that there's never anything that has ever worked out the way you wanted it to, it doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan and a specific purpose for you. That the moments of trial and struggle and wondering, where are you? He will reveal himself. He will show himself. You just got to keep believing. He's not done. He is good. Amen. Give thanks. Once again, look at verse 21. I will give thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. You notice now all of a sudden it's getting a little personal now. I will give thanks. I will give thanks. Why? You've answered me. You must truly believe that God is going to answer your prayers. You must truly believe that God is going to answer your prayers. It may not be exactly the way you want it answered, but he will answer you. He will do it. Why? Because he has the ability, the capacity, the resources, and the perfect plan for you. You just have to trust him that he is going to answer. He loves us that much that he's going to answer. And then finally, nope, I don't want to lie to you. Next point. <laughs> Verse 25, the Lord save us. Lord, grant us success. Find success in God. I was talking to a pastor one time because I was going through a little moment of despair in my ministry and I was just kind of wondering and doubting if, if what I was doing even meant anything. And this was a while ago, and my pastor friend, good friend, he just said to me, he says, you know, Pete, obedience equals success. Obedience equals success. You just have to obey and trust the process. I've been experimenting lately in cooking. I've been trying to develop my Chef Borardee, and... Uh, and I made uh, some pork chops and pan-seared some pork chops and, 
and uh, they came out juicy. They were delicious. And I decided to serve, you know, just not pork chops and applesauce. I decided to kick it up and to serve it with sliced apples and a, a caramel sauce that, you know, with cinnamon and anise. I mean, I'm telling you, I was kicking up my game and it turned out perfect. My, all my family sat down and, oh, dad, this is great. They started making plans on how I was going to cook this for the family and, you know, special events. And I said, oh, hold on now. These apples are expensive, right? See, those are where the apples come from. <clears throat> and, uh, and I made it. But you know what the hardest part for me to do about the apples is I put the apples, or actually I put brown sugar in the pan and I put it on a nice medium-high heat. And you know what the hardest part was? Not touching it. Not touching it. Because I have my spoon and I'm ready. And all of a sudden that brown sugar looked like it was almost starting to burn. And then you know what I did? I threw some apples in there and I threw a little butter, threw a little more brown sugar on top, put a, a cinnamon in there and some anise and not touch it. That was the hardest thing. And then finally, I saw that there was crisp, you know, the edges of the apples were nice golden brown and I flipped it. That looked good. But I couldn't touch the sauce. Don't touch the sauce. Why? Why can't you touch the sauce? I'm sure every mother knows these tricks, but why can't you touch the sauce? Because it crystallizes when you touch it. You just have to wait. Don't stir it. Don't move it. Just wait. You see, obedience equals success. All of us want to get in there with the spoon and start messing things up. God, it's burning. God, I don't understand what's going on. God, what are you doing? God, I'm asking God, God. And God said, hey, 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 put the spoon down. It's going to turn out okay. Just trust me. Obedience equals success. Don't get in your life and start trying to mess things up. Just trust God every day. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. Think about Moses. Moses had no plan to lead millions of people out in the wilderness for 40 years. The only thing God told him was, go out for three days and worship me. But God led Moses, provided Moses, guided Moses, and did all those things for him. Why? Because you just got to take the first step. Obey. Just obey. Don't get in there with your spoon and mess things up. It's going to turn out okay. And you're going to sit back and go, mmm, this is good. The Lord is good. His love endures forever. And finally, now I won't lie to you. Verse 28. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Do you notice what happened at the end of this chapter? You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God. You remember how he started off? Let Israel say. Let Aaron say. Let those who fear the Lord say. But at the end of this process of realizing that God's love is enduring and He's with me every step of the way and that if I stay in His presence, it's going to be okay. If I don't mess with things and let God bring success to me, it's going to be okay. If I, if I trust in His provisions and His care for me, it's going to be okay. If I can just do all those things, pretty soon I will be able to see, say, my God, my God, I will praise and I will exalt. Why? Because He is good. It becomes a personal song. It becomes a personal statement. So this morning, I was just sharing from my heart Psalm 118. There's a lot of things in there. Something is applied to you. I know it has. Take that and just hold on to it. 
Maybe you're not thankful in your heart. You're bitter. Why? Because life tends to make us that way. Disappointment and discouragement and trials and tribulations tend to make us angry and upset. But you've got to trust that God has a plan. Don't touch the sauce. Don't stir it up. Because God is going to make it something beautiful. But you've got to trust Him. Or maybe you're here today and you've forgotten how good He is. You've just forgotten that He is good. Read through the Bible and see how good He is towards His people. He cares for them. He feeds them. He provides for them. He takes away diseases and sicknesses. He frees them. He goes out of His way for them. Whatever it is, as we pray today, I want you just to make this personal. Let this be your time. Trust God.